You're listening to Rule of Thumb, an 80-20 podcast. I'm Michael Corgan, Social Transformation Consultant at 8020. Rule of Thumb is a podcast series that will provide some of the latest practices applied on social media, driven by mobile and the thumb-stopping behaviour of people that is creating a new norm, a new rule of thumb. First up, in episode one, we'll cover social-led video. Video has always been the most powerful way to tell a story, connect people and share new ideas. And mobile has fundamentally changed how video is created and consumed. Video represents about 50% of all mobile data traffic and it's expected to reach about 75% in the next three years. As an industry, we must evolve to keep pace with this shift in consumer behaviour. Sam Doyle, creative strategist at Facebook EMEA and Ross Killeen, founder of Motherland Productions and Event Junkies, join me for a discussion on the complexity and opportunity to build effective and creative video content that's tailored for people on mobile. We start off by setting the scene and the growth of video on social. Ross from Motherland and Event Junkies talks about starting off in the video production business to cater for the fast-paced communications industry, specifically on social media. Event Junkies was set up in uh, 2011 and uh, it feels like Facebook, YouTube and Twitter and all that have been just a constant part of our lives, but back then uh, they were only just really starting to become prevalent. Um, it was only at that stage where brands started to have Facebook pages. Before then, it was we'd all have our own personal Facebook page, but then suddenly brands started to have them and they needed content uh, to fill. I was working in TV. I was working as an editor, editing dreadful reality TV shows and got really good at editing quickly um, and decided to set up Event Junkies um, as a company that was going to completely blank the TV world and focus on this growth in online uh video content um, so that's where we started we started kind of making video content for the likes of Red Bull for Aer Lingus for Google themselves and uh, you know it was basically for their Facebook feeds and Twitter and whatnot that was happening at the time I then asked Sam from Facebook to take us through some of the changes across social and how we should consider communicating in the context of video we went from a place where Brands were sort of managing their own, dipping their toes into social media, and they then started to realize that the content that they were making um, for other platforms like television or whatever that might be had to sort of fit into that world. Then they're now moving to a place where we realize that there are whole new storytelling arcs that are occurring, especially for these platforms, especially for Facebook and Instagram. Um, I think what's really interesting about video is that you know, I came from a traditional advertising background and it would be one of the many things we had to consider. But we have a statistic that sort of by 2020, 75% of all content on the internet, not just on Facebook and Instagram, is going to be video. So we are moving to a place where when you're considering your sort of social strategy or advertising on our platforms, video isn't just going to be one thing, it's getting to a place where it's going to be everything. So it's a huge focus for us. I know it's a huge focus for a lot of the brands who are performing really, really well on Facebook and Instagram. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just grown and grown. And that's really interesting what, what Sam is saying, that uh, 75% of uh, all content is now video. Well, by 2020. By 2020. But uh, what, what is it now? I wouldn't even be able to... It's, I, I would just be making it up. It's but that's not far off. It's not far off. <laughs> But like when we started Event Junkies, when I started Event Junkies, uh, often it was an afterthought, you know. Um, but now it's the, the first thing people think of, you know. It's our video strategy for, for social. But before it was like, okay, we're doing a photo shoot with 
some Irish model dressed as a crisp on Grafton Street you know uh, we've got the photographer lined up we've got all the newspapers lined up oh we should get a video done you know and we get the call last minute um, but now it's you know the first thing people think of really is uh, to get the video sorted and the rest falls into place the, the genesis of Event Junkies as well was like this idea that we could film um, an event edit the short video and get it up online within 24 hours of the event because social brought this uh, need for speed, essentially, in terms of turning around the video. There was no use, like, uh, producing the video a week later when the event was over. It was like, it all had to happen now. So I wanted to be kind of the video equivalent of that photographer taking that photograph and sending the photos to the news desk straight after the photo shoot. We'd come along, do the video, edit it right there and then, and, and see it out online. So now we have a sense of the role video played for brands in the early days. For many channels, it was an open playing field. Audiences and communities grew organically, providing brands with a valuable free audience to reach. PR and emerging digital agencies were the early adopters, using social video to storytell or showcase launches, events, and behind the scenes, creating that fear of missing out moment. Considering social as an effective way to advertise and reach scale wasn't even a consideration like TV. But we know that's all changed. Algorithm changes were always on the horizon for social networks to monetize. Yet we still see brands waste time and budget to strive to improve organic reach by that extra percent. Unless you're a publication, a broadcaster, sports organisation or a satire or an entertainment channel, for the majority of brands, if you want to effectively reach an audience, you must pay for play. It's been that way since the beginning. It just evolved and improved. We'll cover effective advertising in more detail in an upcoming episode. Back to video. With the method of reaching an audience dramatically changing, even though we knew this change would happen, so too is the format and the device. Mobile and video has taken over with the channels themselves informing all stakeholders their algorithms will favour video over other content types. It's time to get under the bonnet of video. A three minute brand film is a video. A Facebook Live Q&A is a video. An Instagram story can be a video. A cleverly crafted six second ad is a video. And a GIF essentially is a video. You get the picture. Not all video is the same. The growth of video continues with the magical device in our hands. But what can we do to ensure we create video fit for consumption? An understanding of human behavior with mobile in mind tells us video for brand communications requires change, some of which many are still uncomfortable with. Sam now takes us through a real good snapshot of what behaviour we must understand to deliver effective video on social. Sure, yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the things that's super interesting is, like, if you look at... I sometimes like to go back and, like, not think about it as social media, but rather think of it as, like, mobile, right? So if, if you look at Facebook and Instagram, like, 90% of the time spent on those platforms is on a mobile phone. And that's a really, really different space, even when you're looking at a video, than it is on a laptop screen or on a television screen. Um, and with that comes like a number of challenges, really, because what you're doing fundamentally is people are scrolling and you want to stop their thumbs, right? And so what can you do when you're creating video to stop people mid-feed? Um, and that pattern has sort of led to this sort of theory of short-form video. But one of the fundamental things, whether your video is short or long, is how do you grab people's attention? Because what we're seeing in studies is that, like, we're not even talking about, like, a three-second audition for people to see if they're going to stay with your video or not. Like, people can make that decision in a split second, within one second. Um, so really, you know, thinking about when you're approaching videos, like, 
how do you grab their attention? What's that eye-catching thing that's going to make them stop scrolling? But then also, like, what is the fundamental information that you want to get across? Like, if people decide to scroll, how do they know who you are? What do you want them to do? What's the action you want them to take? What are you selling? The, it comes down to that, that sort of fundamental thing. So regardless of how long a video is, aside from Snapchat and Instagram stories, they're always delivered through the same newsfeed environments, full of clutter from family and friends content, including holidays, babies, food and puppy pictures, blended with news and other branded promoted content. Throughout this clutter, as Sam puts it, you need to grab somebody's attention immediately. Think about the traditional storytelling arc of TV ads and brand films. With a video with a passive opening that builds momentum with the hooker message at the end, immediately grab the attention of a person who scrolls at a rapid pace on their newsfeeds. If you're not forced to watch an entire video, which is most cases on social media newsfeed, most people will likely watch for a couple of seconds, or even less, which Sam has now indicated, they'll simply scroll by in search of other content to consume. We then continue to build on when to use short or long form video on social. In theory, yes. Short video will deliver an immediate salient message and have higher completion rates. But does that mean long form video is redundant? Not at all. After grabbing attention immediately, now you need to understand consumption behavior in more detail and how this can dictate the type, length and weight of short versus long form video you need to consider creating when planning video. And with that I think also comes a acknowledgement of people's behaviour. So what I love and find really really interesting about working in the company that I do is you can look at it as almost like a sociological study of people's behaviour. So when people are using their mobile phones, like we've, we've sort of divided it into like three broad buckets of like people are on the go, so that sort of behaviour is like really relates to short form content they're sort of you know they're walking around maybe they're mid something else and they're just glancing at their phone and um, bite-sized pieces of content work really really well they're eye-catching stuff gifs cinemagraphs um, then there are people who are sort of like leaning in so if you think about that in terms of a behavior it might be like at lunchtime maybe they're on a train maybe they're commuting they spend a little bit more time in the feeds they're more considered and then there's that lean back sort of mode where you're at home, you're relaxing and you're actually taking the time to spend time and search for content to engage with in a longer way. Um, and what we find working for brands is like a 70-20-10 split. So like 70% of people's behavior is that like quick scrolling, they want to consume bite-sized things. 20% gets a little bit more interactive a little bit more in depth and then 10% of the time they're going to go deep on something they're going to watch a long form piece of video they might do something more interactive like engage with Facebook Live or whatever that might be and so that approach is starting to become like not like a hard and fast formula but it's, it's a way that we're playing with how to approach video for, for our platforms While it's not a concrete formula Sam describes for many brands it highlights the need to deliver social ed video to cater for the 70% consumption habit if people's video's consumption is short, easy to consume content on the go 70% of the time, using a long storytelling arc for all video means they consume no branding, no message, or no context. For the 70% consumption moment, focus on crafting fantastic short video that captures attention rather than gambling on the first few seconds of a long form video or posting a TV ad directly on social media that tries to make sense on its own. Creatively, short form video is a new type of arc to communicate. It's not enough to capture attention though. You must captivate people, whether it's 5, 10 or 15 seconds long, and there's no algorithm for that. Creative will always be critical. I then asked Ross has he seen a change in the briefing and video production requests coming through the doors of Motherland and Event Junkies. 
and how it's being managed by the production houses and the agencies. Yeah, well, as you know now, um, Motherland um, started up then in 2013 after Event Junkies, so we, we kind of do a lot of different types of video content. So Event Junkies is very much in that PR world, fast turnaround, activations kind of thing. And then Motherland, we're kind of working with, I guess, um, doing classic advertising. Um, so they're very different beasts, and uh, the ask is often very different. But yeah, we're we're constantly aware of everything we're doing has to work on Instagram, has to work on Twitter. But often, I guess, often we don't get um, that information early enough, you know. And uh, I think we were talking about this before we went on air, just kind of having everyone in the room at the beginning you know this piece of content we're working on has to work on this newsfeed it has to work on tv it has to work on instagram and it has to work on snapchat or insta stories or whatever and finding a way for us all to kind of make that happen um would be great from a production point of view so by the sounds of it the production companies and video creators are aware most concepts need to work across multiple platforms but there still seems to be a barrier for all stakeholders to plan effectively in advance to cater for the production requirements or opportunities, to adapt creatively or expand a concept effectively. Obviously, this can be a number of barriers, from creative to budgets, right down to the rights to use online. But if scoped from the very beginning correctly, many barriers can be overcome. I then asked Ross when the concept arrives for his team to deliver. Does it arrive mapping all the channel's touch points, the cuts required and adaptations necessary for it to be delivered across the chosen channels? Yeah, so for us, um, we often get the brief for, for the ad, but then there's a, di- a digital agency who are who are you know trying to get extra content on the day. Does the PR agency they're getting the the print photographs, um, and that's all going on on the day of the shoot. Um, like there have been very few jobs we've worked on where we're across all of that. In a short answer, no. It does sound like stakeholders are given a window of opportunity to capture behind-the-scenes content aimed to entertain and engage, the traditional perception of what social is, rather than the full opportunity to deliver an effective message or campaign through video in the right context for social in its most powerful way, as a sustainable brand communications channel. And then put it to Ross to see change and consistent use of video across the campaign. Does he feel the production team should own and execute all collateral, albeit not full post-production content, but the right footage necessary to deliver? Sam also then backs up an important point by Ross, that some of the best work is a result of early collaboration by all the necessary people. And also, what it all boils down to, nothing has changed. But Sam explains what has, which is how the creative is brought to life. Here's what you need to know, or may already know. Um, you know, it depends on the job and it depends on the ask because a lot of the time, you know, it's, you know, yourself, it's kind of, you've got your one job to focus on and it's important that you just focus on delivering the best TV ad you can. Mm. And if you're also kind of trying to factor in getting some digital uh, content as well, that can be tricky, you know. Mm. And I think you might kind of, if something suffers along the way, you know, you might take your eye off the ball on the TV ad uh, in order to do a better job in digital and, and vice versa. So in a way, it's kind of nice to divvy it up and have other people responsible for it. But I think it's good if everyone's on the same page and that there's a consistency throughout it, you know. Yeah, I think it raises a really good point, um, which is like having come from the world of creative agencies to now to now work, have the pleasure of working in Facebook, I suppose, um, is that when we collaborate with agencies or with clients, the most fruitful 
process we have seen is when all of the stakeholders are in the room from the very beginning of the process and often that sort of takes the burden off the production company because everything has been planned up front so I know that like when you have the client in the room all of the different agencies and the right people from those agencies the creative directors or the creative teams social media managers the PR and everyone is in there um, from the beginning like I'm really openly and collaboratively discussing the idea at hand and how it can possibly work across all channels. That's what leads to a really, really good campaign that will have impact no matter where it's going to come to life. And fundamentally, I mean, if you want to boil it down to anything, I think it goes back to what Ross said. It's like good ideas are still good ideas. I think that's the first thing I always say to people when they ask me like, oh, so what, what's changed now that I'm advertising on Facebook or Instagram or, or Snapchat or whatever that might be? Like good creative is still good creative. The real thing that has changed is the context. It's where is it being delivered and how does it come to life? And and that's and that's sort of where um, I guess maybe like the challenges are coming up. Um, so we know that like based on what we're seeing in the feed and how people are reacting, there's a certain number of like best practices or things that we can do to to help make the most of the context in which you're advertising. So, you know, if you are putting a video into the feed, it's worth realizing that you have to capture people's attention. So if they're scrolling, how do you grab that attention? Do you do something really beautiful and eye-catching? Do you know that your logo and your brand has resonance? So you put that right up front. We know that, like, a lot of people use their mobile phones with the sound off. So therefore, if you have a lot of dialogue in your ad, do you need to put subtitles or do you need to put key phrases in or do you need to actually ask people to, to turn on the sound? Like that's something if it's done artfully and integrated and planned up front from the beginning um, really, really works. Um, I think what's, what's always difficult is when the way that the content is brought to life in the platform or is planned for the platform as an afterthought, then that becomes tricky both for the platform itself, for the execution and for the production company. So let's hypothetically say that you have a video and it doesn't make sense without the sound. Knowing that from the very beginning, uh, from a creative point of view and almost like planning how you're going to bake in like a text treatment so that the ad makes sense means that it's going to art directionally look good and you're not putting like crappy little subtitles at the bottom. It also means the production company knows that that's part of the process and part of the edit or part of the post. Um, and then it means that it's also going to perform in the feed, so everyone's a winner. Okay, so let's recap and build on some important points. What are the key things we're considering to deliver great social-led video? Knowing where it's been distributed and how it will be consumed would shape how it will come to life. Number one, frame for mobile. Take up as much space to the screen in the natural way the device is held. Think square and portrait. Number two, make a person's thumb stop through all the clutter. Realize you need to capture attention immediately. Do you do something eye-catching or clever, a hack of a format on the newsfeed? Does your brand resonate with people? If so, front-load it in the first frame. Number three, communicate your message or story. Does your video rely on dialogue knowing most people watch video with no sound? If so, put subtitles, key phrases, words within the video, or if you need people to watch with sound on, prompt them. Both can be done in a way that complements the video, cleverly, crafted, and planned up front. Number four, multiple messages. If your video is not a bespoke piece and you have a number of messages you need to deliver knowing attention is short, sometimes six to 10 seconds. A good place to start is to audit your video over the past three months and calculate the average view time as a good indicator. Test this video length as a guide. Try to use more than one video to deliver all message individually. This paired with effective media will ensure consumption of all messages in an episodic or sequence fashion. 
It's fair to say these four points should be well known and preached by many in the industry, but where does it break down in the process? TV and brand films are still the main ask and starting output for many brands. TV is still valuable, but when a concept needs to be delivered through social, it is visibly still an afterthought, and simple cross-posting is not the best solution. When TV is still the lead channel and the concept heavily relies on dialogue with a longer arc to deliver a message, a compromise if bespoke videos for social are out of scope, we know we should plan the execution so that one, text treatments can be added into the visual story rather than tiny teletext 888 subtitles splashed on the bottom, and two, context or message is front-loaded through a small re-edit. And when in doubt, remember this. It's often like you'll find it's really simple because every brand has a really, really clear set of brand guidelines, which usually includes a custom typeface. Yeah. So that typeface can feel super integrated into the art direction of the piece rather than putting on generic subtitles. Yeah. And and then you're, you know, the art directors hopefully feel a little less offended um, and, and, it, and it works. Remember, this is a compromise where many factors prevent bespoke work for social. Yes, it will ensure consumption of a message by more people, but please don't be fooled that a 30-second TV spot with adaptations are the best way to deliver a concept on social. When you want to reach a large audience, remember that 70% window we mentioned earlier, you have only seconds. Craft the majority of video in a way that people consume it. Video is not going away, it's growing. We now discuss the final piece of the puzzle, connecting an audience with video and what should dictate how it's brought to life, media or creative. Again, it's that C word, collaboration. As mentioned earlier, to reach a mass audience, you must pay for play. With the importance of media in distribution of video content on news feeds, comes with it a large amount of behavioral data. With the access to this valuable information, I asked Sam to explain how this information can shape a video or a campaign to be effective. Again, this is one of those things where I, I, I'm going to give the really glib, annoying answer and I feel fundamentally like nothing has changed. Mm. Um, and I'll tell you why. Which is that if we look at how we're operating on, on channels which have all this data and can inform us so much, like good advertising is communicating to solve a brand problem or to sell a product or whatever that might be. Um, and I always think that like it, it is going back to the brief. Like if you have a, a great brief to start from that's super clear, that's single-minded, and is like now we're in a great position where that can be based on actual meaningful data, then your idea should really be informed by that to solve the problem. So if you are trying to sell X product to X audience, what you really want to be doing is showing the right audience the right creative at the right time so that it's as relevant as possible. And I know like a huge thing for us obviously is relevance for creative because like our algorithm favors relevant, right? So we favor showing the right ad to the right people at the right time. Um, which in a way, if you, if you start with the brief and work it all the way through, actually makes it easier because you know who the people are, you know what their interests are, you know what their passions are, and you know what you're selling, and then it's finding a meaningful form of like conversation and communication to bring that to life. Um, so again, I, like, I then think that once you have that idea or you know what you're going to be saying, then it's about choosing the right 
ad format to do that the best that you can, either based on where you're at in the marketing funnel. So whether you're going on brand awareness and you want to have like this video that's going to capture people's attention, or you're getting right down to the like you should go and buy this thing, and and maybe you're looking at, for example, one of our formats like a carousel, that that shouldn't ever compromise the idea. It should just be a really nice place that it comes to life in the same way that if we were advertising like 20 years ago, you would say that print in magazines does one job, point of sale does another, and TV does a third job. Um, It's really just a a sort of platform-specific version of that. It all goes back to the brief, like it always has in the past, using communications to solve a problem based on insight. TV and other mediums like radio work to the constraints of a 30 or 60-second spot. Social media data provides constraints powered by how your audience behaves. This meaningful insight and behavioural data backs up the need for new storytelling arcs that can result in a fantastic brief for creatives. It also armors you with relevance. Right content to the right people at the right time. You know who the people are, their interests or their habits. What is important to note, relevance is the basis on most social media algorithms, so it can't be ignored or you simply create content that will underperform. Then it's about bringing the idea to life in the chosen formats in a way that is relevant based on the information the data provides, from awareness right down to intent. I asked Ross if he was brought in at an earlier stage of the process with this information to help shape or frame a concept, would he feel it would impact creatively? Yes, it's interesting to know how people are watching it, where the, the target audience is and all that, but I guess a lot of the time that's the agency's job to do that tease that out and then give us the brief and then we just make the best video we can make Um, I don't know like I mean yeah it's interesting to be involved in that conversation I'm always interested in in hearing how this it works after we make a film you know Mm. Um, what the stats are how many people watched it when they watched it all that kind of stuff I actually do think it might impact on the creative I think you might end up overthinking it a little bit and I feel like sometimes there needs to be a trust involved. People need to trust the audience that they're going to just enjoy good work mm. and they will stick with something. You know, I, I love when agencies we work with are really brave and they give us briefs that are, you know, free from these constraints of and it has to do this and we have to get this message in the first couple of seconds and we have to get you know they're just bravely going to produce a really nice piece of content and trust that their audience is going to watch it and get it and share it and they're often the most effective campaigns and the most enjoyable ones to be involved in mm. um, you know obviously not every piece of content we do, do can be like that so we've got to adapt the way we work and, and yeah like having that conversation with the agency the digital agency the media buyers and all that kind of stuff in advance you know getting all that stuff on the table before we sit down and kind of plan it is probably very useful yeah Ross answers through the lens of the director and he's right information overload can impact the creative process especially when it's collated and briefed poorly so it's important that the information is drilled down into a solid brief Ross also talks about clients being brave and creating work free from constraints which can lead to some of the best work being produced by the creators and again he's right this aligns to Sam's example of the 10% consumption window when people lean back and enjoy great video. Ross then acknowledges that this can't always be the case and agrees in the early planning stages there is a value that this information will help shape the output for the majority of content. The other two windows Sam mentioned earlier in the podcast. 
the 70% lean forward and the 20% lean in windows. While restrictions in the brief feel like a barrier, even in the context of short form video, they can also encourage creativity. Sam continues including some experience of when in the past he loved perimeters on a creative ask. I read a, I think there was an ad, was it an Adweek article recently about about six second video and that we're in the year or going into the year six second Correct. video? Correct, and kind of pushed post, post Facebook's recommendations for a number of years on it, yeah. uh, but now YouTube are coming to the game about the sure. value of a six second piece of creative. Totally, and I think what's interesting about that is like that's a, a really good headline. And I do also think that there is, like, we know that shorter videos work, but the best way to think about short videos is not so much how do we make our really, really long video short, because a long video has a place, it has a purpose, and I don't think we should get to the point where, like, everyone looks at their long video and cannibalizes it. Rather, it's, like, really going back to that fundamental of what's the idea for this campaign, um, and how do we make the short second six second execution of that um, and how can that be brilliant and funny and impactful because I mean there are really really good examples of people embracing the restrictions of of formats so one of my like favourite ads of the last couple of years was the Geico work which was around pre-rolls yes and it was just like this still pre-roll and it just went on forever it was like unskippable but it was so funny and so well executed and played on that insight and I think what we are seeing is that like really really good long form video is always going to be watched it will always have that shareability factor and um, I don't really see that changing because that's all about what resonates with people but what we are seeing is that there is a place for like really really short impactful video and the brands who are doing that well in like 6 to 15 seconds are it, it never feels short. It actually just feels like a perfectly formed story, gag, emotional, impactful piece. I mean, I saw I saw an ad by Pantone recently, all around diversity, and it was like two seconds long, and it was just like it was brilliant. It was so clever. It was so beautiful. Um, I'll send it to you, but no one can see it on a podcast. Um, <laughs> we, but, we can share the links. But I think like that's the important thing. It's it's about creative people approaching the format and finding the creative solution that doesn't compromise on craft and doesn't compromise on communication um, but rather makes gives the biggest bang for the buck at that time um, yeah it doesn't kill creativity it's just another place to play mm. with parameters and and like I think I think creative people really like parameters mm. I think like it's basically like solving a problem um, yeah. for them like one of the worst things that could ever happen to me when I was working on briefs where someone went it's an open brief people yeah. would arrive and go isn't this the best thing ever and you'd say no because I don't know like where where does where's the end of my palette where's the end of 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 where I need to go the more you're telling me what I can't do the more I have to play with what I can do and be really really clever and I think that that's the opportunity the six seconds affords or small short videos afford so play with perimeters well-crafted long-form video will always have a place people will consume it at certain moments but we're seeing a need for well-executed short video, perfectly created, that delivers on your objective, as Sam puts it, finding the creative solution. Sam then poses a question to Ross when faced with the challenge to shoot in different aspect ratios on set. What it does lead to is a really, really interesting conversation how you start to produce that and make that. I mean, one of the things that I think is quite interesting and, and like, I'm, I'm just going to take your job now and start asking questions. <laughs> is, um, I like this. Is like... One thing we know re works really, really well is like shooting square format or vertical format Correct. video, which was like t 
totally going back on on how I would have behaved before I started thinking really really hard about this and became part of my job I would always start filming things landscape yeah. and I would even scoff I would go so far as to scoff at a person who was filming something vertically I've done that yeah like if you know that like the real estate that you take up mm. I hate talking in real estate but the, you, the real estate you take up on a I phone is is best used with vertical or square that's an interesting challenge for a production company because for YouTube or for television you want the landscape so but for Facebook or Instagram you want a square or a portrait one then that presents a number of interesting challenges because then do you start cropping or would you prefer to use a second camera where would your head be at that Ross? melted it would have to be a second camera you know mm. um, like I, I'd agree with Sam in terms of like having some parameters is is great for creative you know and it, it is a lot of it is problem solving you know um, but you do want to have a bit of room to maneuver and try things and you know yeah. not be too restricted in terms of all the things all the people you have to target and all the points you have to hit but um, yeah, shooting portraits. I, I definitely, if I if I had to do a job tomorrow, I like you couldn't, unless it was only being broadcast in portrait. That's fine. Then let's do it. But if it has to work across all platforms, it would definitely have to be shot with two cameras. I'd have one person just fully fully focused on the portrait side of it. Yeah, and I think you raise another like really good point, which is like as as a creative person in. The company like best practices are guidance I think that that's the really important thing to do um, but they should never be the a tool that's used to to stop people from doing amazing work they should rather be there to um, sort of guide how you can have performance on the on, yeah. on the platform and you know almost an exercise in like reference um, for when when you're approaching work that should come to life well on on any social media Okay, okay. 100%. So if the shoot requires multiple formats, a dual setup would ensure the best delivery according to Ross. While we try to ram best practice down the necks of creatives and producers, including poor Ross, it's good to know what we mean after Ross recommends wiggle room to push creativity. Sam mentions best practice as a guidance. They guide how to best perform as a reference for social. If you can creatively find an interesting hack and execution that will stand out, go for it. Finally, I ask Ross and Sam to summarise their thoughts and what would be the key points to improve social-led video going forward. Well, it's funny. It's been a really interesting conversation for a start and, like, you know, maybe from a production company point of view, a lot of these um, points we're not maybe aware of as much, you know. You guys are all having these internal conversations, you know, looking at the stats, which we're not really privy to. We make the films, we hand them over to the agency and then the agency look after seeding them out and buying the media and all that kind of stuff so the agency knows what works well and what doesn't and yeah I guess if it doesn't impact on the creativity then I guess there's no harm in you know bringing the production company in on that and and sharing some of those insights what worked on the last one what didn't work on the last one you know that kind of thing is always useful uh, for us to uh, really deliver a strong piece of content for yeah, I think I think to also like give to like yeah, build on Ross's point really, I think any of the production companies I've ever worked with love when 
the agency or the client or whoever is coming to them with the job feels like they've thought everything out. The worst thing you can ever, I think, and you can you could correct me if I'm wrong, mm. do to a production company is tell them the job is X and then a week or two later tell them there's also a Y and a Z mm. that they don't know about and have to consider because... factored in time yeah. setups because... And so I think that like for, for anyone to do the best work on, on any platform, but especially the ones that I work with, um, I think it's an amazing opportunity to, to take time at the very beginning of the process and go, okay, with your client, what is it that you want to communicate and who do you want to talk to? And then using all of that data to create a super, super simple, terse brief, which then leads to brilliant ideas. Um, and then looking at where the opportunity lies to bring those idea, that idea to life. I think, um, I think considering, um, I mean, people love to talk about things being dead. That's that's everyone's favorite thing to say, especially in our industry. Like television is dead, or this is dead, or X Y is dead. Facebook was dead five years ago. Oh man, it was never it was never dead. Um, I think um, I think looking at how that idea can come to life. But I think bespoke executions for the platform are the most exciting opportunities. So looking at like. I think creatives are excited about working on new platforms. I think they're excited. Like everyone was very excited by like Snapchat filters when they happened. Everyone wanted to make those things. People who are creative have an urge to come up with the best idea and be the person who used the platform the best. Um, and I think having a very terse brief and good ideas that lead to that work. One thing, like a couple of things that are starting to come up are, you know, like don't make it an afterthought make it part of the overall thinking and then give it the respect that it deserves when you bring it to a production company. Have the six-second script and have the copywriting and the art directional craft there so that people like Ross can make the most interesting videos for the platform that compel people. Um, I also think that like moving... At some point, there is going to be like a, a sort of a pull on moving out of campaign cycles. So I do think that every every company has their campaign cycles and their key times that they want to communicate. But I think we are going to have to look at like how we can communicate on a constant basis versus how you can communicate at key times of the year. So also having um, an idea that can go and run that length to build brand affinity because these are also platforms that you can build brands on, not just do one-off pieces of work that feel exciting, strange, or, or new. Um, I'm not sure that answered your question, but it definitely sounded good in my head. Indeed, it did sound good. Taking all Ross, Sam and I chatted through and moving forward with Social Out Video, there was an agreement amongst the three of us not to make social an afterthought. Make it part of the overall thinking. Collaboration is still the elephant in the room. By not making it an afterthought, as channels, you understand they are an extremely powerful way to reach people. As owners of the concept, equip the production company and the video producers with the short format concepts, scripts, or how messaging will be incorporated visually. To get it to this stage, collaboration leads to a tighter brief. From a creative point of view, use data and provide parameters that will lead to stronger ideas and the opportunities how and where to bring the idea to life. From a production point of view, everything is thought out and there are no surprises in store for a production team who can plan a concept to be shot in a specific way. If that changes, it can impact the execution. The most exciting opportunity will be bespoke executions by creatives who have an urge to play with parameters, new formats and creative social firsts. Most of what was discussed in this episode is in the context of video and newsfeeds, but channels are refining its video product with saturated newsfeeds. They're looking to mirror TV with partners to broadcast sport, 
reality TV and scripted series. A future angle for brands. Lastly, as Sam points out, prepare yourself for a change from campaign cycles with specific teams at different times of the year to focus to communicate on a constant basis. Social media is demonstrating its value as a brand building platform beyond one-off pieces of great content. Another topic we'll be covering in a future episode. While the focus of this episode was social-led video, we did deviate a little into media and insight. But social media is an infrastructure beyond its create and publish perception. Creative and media does not work in isolation. A lot has changed, and video sits within this. A big thank you to my guests, Sam Doyle, creative strategist at Facebook EMEA, and Ross Killeen, founder of Motherland and Event Junkies. I'm Michael Corkin, and thanks for listening to 8020's Social Media Rule of Thumb.